eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Back after another week of excellent college football action. Some good results knocking around for our teams, actually, in this uh, in this room. Um, <laughs> well, you're kind of not included, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, Andy, um, making faces at me with that joke there. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk this week, uh, going to round up, obviously, the Big Ten got started, and we can talk about all about that. And then we're also going to talk about the AP poll, just been saying just before we came on about the nonsense that's going on in there. So I'm sure we'll have plenty of opinions uh, flying around for that one with the rankings that come out each week. Um, but yeah, I just think we've got a few uh, historical grievances with that one. Lads, welcome you in, um, everyone. We've got Kieran, we've got Liam, we've got Andy, um, as we've already mentioned as we come in. Everyone doing all right? Yes, yeah, sir. good. Yeah, everyone good. Cool. Right then, so yeah, like I said, just going to dive straight into the games. Obviously, we've got um, some big 10 to talk about. So, Liam, why don't you kick us off with Michigan having a big win, actually, late on in the evening for us guys in the UK? Yeah, big win. Um, this was the big uh, primetime game in the Big Ten, wasn't it? Michigan mm. travelling to Minnesota. Two ranked teams, two teams with uh, a lot of aspirations this season. Um all happened well a lot of, most of what happened happened in a crazy first quarter there were loads of points uh, in that first quarter the tone got set by Minnesota who um, decided on every kickoff they were going to uh, pooch kick or chip kick um, strategy that backfired more than once um, Michigan uh, first to get the ball and uh, had a punt blocked which then led to um, the first score by Minnesota Tanner Morgan throwing the first touchdown of the game um, Michigan came out, responded straight away, 70-yard touchdown by second-year running back Zach Charbonnet. Uh, that made it 7-7. Minnesota get the ball back. Tanner Morgan got uh, taken out by a blitz from DB. Michael mm. Barrett, ball popped up in the air. Donovan Jeter, the lineman, taking it in for a score. Michigan run the ball really well on offense. Um, fullback Ben Mason had a really good game. Uh, he blocked really, really well all game. Uh, was also in the end zone, uh, receiving a touchdown, and all this was in the first quarter. <laughs> kind of calmed down a bit after that. Um, although both offences kept moving the ball and kept putting up points. Um, Michigan stayed in front, moved away. I really liked how they used a uh, new quarterback, Joe Milton. Um, obviously has a very strong arm that we've talked about, and they uh, hyped him up. But they were, they were smart about how... How they played him, they gave him some little simple flat passes and let him kind of not necessarily use uh, deep balls all game. Um, their D-line for Michigan looked very good as well. Guys like Hutchison, Quitty Pie, Carlo Kemp, who are guys that I kind of note, took note of and wanted to see play. They're all making plays. Um, Minnesota's defense, I think, was kind of the weak point. Um, on offense, Tanner Morgan looked good through well through a pick near the end but uh, the game's kind of gone by then Rashad Bateman was quiet but still over 100 yards in the game so, uh, <laughs> I was um, expecting a few more flash plays from him but obviously consist consistently making plays 
Um, yeah, I think that Minnesota's defense was a little overmatched um, in the game overall, and Minnesota ended up losing 49-24, and Michigan uh, looked very good. Well worth a big win. Mm. Yeah, obviously you talked up Michigan last week a little bit, didn't you? And, and obviously Milton as well. I, you know, I know you just touched on him there, but what did you see from him from like a traits point of view and things like that in terms of his yeah, play said, and him as a player? We 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 knew that Michigan talking them up, coaches are it's their prerogative to talk them up, and so we kind of agreed. Like, let's wait to see on him. And uh, yeah, he looked he looked every bit that that six foot five big arm that they were talking about. But um, accuracy was good. Nice, nice touch on plays. Um, really liked uh, how he was able to run when he was asked to as well. There's a, a lot there for their offense to work with. And um, I liked how they um, they used him and they were effective about letting him make plays and about letting him drive the ball. They didn't have to run too much to help him out. Obviously, um, they've, they've really got someone to work with there. Yeah, I would say so. Definitely. As, like we all said last week, didn't we, that we've not really seen a great deal of him. We're looking forward to seeing, you know, a bit more, a bit more of him. So yeah, one to watch really, because obviously, you know, we've, we've lamented the Michigan quarterback situation, I'm sure, between the four of us for, for quite a while. So, you know, maybe having someone with like a bit, bit of a big arm and a bit of like pizzazz about them, then maybe they, they can actually do something. And, um, you know, not, not for me to kind of talk Michigan up because I'm constantly talking them down, but from what I saw of this game, and I, I didn't see all of it, admittedly, um, at the, at, you know, live, um, they, they looked pretty decent. Jalen Mayfield stood out for me at right tackle as well, to, to not repeat what you said, um, Quitty Pay is up high. Um, you know, getting a couple of tackles for loss, a couple of sacks as well. So, um, yeah, looking like, again, another one like Shakatoni that you mentioned last week, another guy who can maybe rise up the edge rankings quite quickly in, in quite a, a light class, really. But, yeah, Mayfield was one that stood out for me. Maybe because I'm a Chargers fan and I think we, should, we need maybe one tackle at least from the next draft. So, um, yeah, definitely catching my eye there. It's a perfect game for, for Milton in a way to kind of build on, to have a big primetime game against a team that uh, everyone knows are going to do well this season in Minnesota. Unfortunately, Minnesota's defence making too many mistakes and were kind of being picked apart at times. And that's why mm. Michigan put 49 on them. Yeah, no, for sure. Like you said, completely overmatched. And I think I did highlight in the last week that the fact that they lost a little bit of talent on that side of the ball as well um, to the NFL draft and obviously just natural kind of wastage really uh, on that side of the ball as well. Uh, speaking of that, I'm sure the guys will shout out on the NFL podcast, Antoine Winfield Jr. getting his first pick for Tampa Bay yesterday against uh, the Raiders. So kind of all linking up all together. I'm going to stay in the in the Big Ten, obviously, as we're kind of carrying on from last week. And there's no other way to to go really apart from here, and without going on to Ohio State, which I'm sure I'll mention later on. But Wisconsin's kicking off the the conference with a pretty massive win, really, 45 to 11 over Illinois. Obviously, not not a really big hit that they're winning against here, but Wisconsin obviously ranked pretty good team pretty much all the time, especially in Big Ten terms. But I put a poll out on the Saturday morning after this game and. You know, after seeing Graham Mertz and his stat line, uh, 20 out of 21, touch under 250 yards, uh, 248 to be precise, and five touchdowns. Well, Wisconsin got a quarterback. That'll put a different spin on things, won't it? Because usually they're a kind of run all over your kind of offensive line kind of team. But um, yeah, if they can chuck it around the, the yard, then they, they, they stand a bit of a chance, don't they? And, you know, we saw a lot from Graham Mertz in his first ever game. And there's a lot to like. Obviously not throwing it around too much in true Wisconsin fashion with only the 21 attempts, but, you know, super, super efficient, obviously. 
And uh, yeah, five touchdowns kind of um, was what he was worth, really, I would say, you know, from what I've seen in this game on, from Friday night. And um, I guess it only makes the bad news worse that he's now tested positive for COVID and has to sit out for three weeks. We won't, won't be seeing him in a Badgers uniform for, for three weeks, as I say, but um, kind of whetted our appetite a little bit, didn't it, with this one? Not something that I expected. Um, I guess no one here had, had ever watched him before, I guess, and it was a big big shock, um, especially for, for myself. So, yeah, Wisconsin, I'm sure, obviously, we'll come on to the AP poll a bit later on in the in the podcast, but going up the rankings and, and looking pretty dangerous, especially, you know, if they can keep that rolling when he comes back. Um, Kieran, you're going to talk about the best Tiger team in college football. So, here you go with the Memphis game. <laughs> the, the, the disappointment. I actually want to mention another game as well um, from the Big Ten. It was actually Maryland versus Northwestern. And not because the game was particularly exciting, but because of a particular quarterback in Tulia Taglavailoa, mm. who is Tua's younger brother. Three picks. Three <laughs> picks, minus 16 rushing yards. And they bought out um, a guy who was originally on QB1 Beyond the Lights, Lance. Lagondra, I think is how you pronounce it. Probably totally butchered his name, but you know, I, I just thought I'd mention that because it was it was one of the hardest hardest games to watch th- this weekend. It was especially after he transferred from Alabama for playing time, mm. and everyone thought, ah, oh, may- maybe he'll be like his uh, his brother. He'll play football good, but no, he, he was absolutely trash. And then uh, <laughs> free, you know, minus yards and uh, you know free picks so but yeah the uh memphis game was <laughs> and memphis football really they did what memphis did uh who did look good though actually the quarterback four touchdowns 313 yards his completions weren't great though he was mm. hitting i think what 17 or 36 so under half memphis did what they always did though they pounded the ball down Temple's throats. It was absolutely ridiculous. It was one of those games where they just ran it and ran it and ran it and ran it and ran it. And they are looking... I don't want to say they're like top of their conference right now, but they're definitely going to give Cincinnati and UCF a lot of problems when it comes to it because this is the best they've looked in a while. True pro, mate, because I was actually joking. You've gone into a full rundown of the Memphis game. I was only ribbing you, but what an absolute pro talk about the real Tigers. Go on, you can talk about LSU now, we'll let you. I'm going to start this with two words. (laughs) We're back! (laughs) I remember remember the last time someone said that, it didn't go too well well for that guy. I put in the group (laughs) chat, just hours before the game, that the man from Ponchatoula, Louisiana, was going to come in and he was going to ball out. And he did exactly that. He stands six foot six. He looks like Cam Newton if he hadn't seen a weight room in his life. He is the best quarterback to play at LSU since Miles Brennan took the field last week. That's how stacked our quarterback room is. Even our backup's dad is a Super Bowl winner. We came into this game, and let me just tell you, TJ Finley, 265 yards, two touchdowns. He even ran one in on the ground. He was fantastic. Terrence Marshall, two touchdowns, 88 yards. We went off. The defense turned up. You see how good we can be when our defense decides that, hey, we want to play this week. The SEC started, guys. Let's get in. 
there's, there's not much to say except for we balled out and the Gamecocks got absolutely beaten. In the first half, we beheaded them. But you know a chicken can live for about an hour without its head. And that's what they did. They flapped around the field. They did nothing. They got nothing going. They got broke Aquaman at quarterback. He got sacked about 800 times. It was one of the best LSU games I've seen in a long time. And the good news <laughs> for all Tigers fans is that TJ Finley is starting again next week against Auburn. So we're going to have another game. And he's not going to throw two touchdowns and rush for one next week. He's going to throw three touchdowns and rush for two. This man is on fire. Just get ready. The LSU Tigers are back with number 11, TJ Finley, Louisiana native. Be ready, guys. We are back in a big way. So, Miles Brennan, dead to you, right? After all that? No, he's he's the first ever LSU quarterback to throw for 300-plus yards in his first three starts. Should not be... (laughs) <laughs> Sniff that. He is an incredible quarterback. But TJ Finley come in and look, we knew Brennan was going to be good. But the defense severely let him down. And it looks bad on uh, Brennan. The, the defense stepped up when Finley comes in. Now, whether that's a coincidence or they were just more motivated this game, I think if Finley balls out again against Auburn. Mm-hmm. They're probably not going to let Brennan back, which will be sad because they promised him this starting job and he sat behind Joe patiently for two years and they said, hey, you were one of the best recruits out of Mississippi. We're, we're going to let you sit behind Joe and then you will be starting when he's gone. Also, talk about Davis Price, 135 yards on the ground. We didn't have a run game until this week. Mm. You saw it on the Twitter. I said, oh, damn, we have a run game now. And... <laughs> Yeah, everyone looked absolutely fantastic. I don't think we punted, really, at all. Um, kicked one field goal. It was, it was just absolute destruction. And I feel bad for anyone who was supporting South Carolina because you came away from that game incredibly, incredibly sad. Now, the na- defending national champs, we are still national champs, sit at two and two, and we have a long road to go. But I think if we play like we did yesterday, we beat Alabama, we beat Florida, we beat Auburn, and we become the back-to-back SEC champions. I know you guys don't see it happening. I know you (laughs) want so badly for LSU to fall. But we're back in a big way, and we can talk about other football games now because I know you guys didn't want (laughs) us to sit through that. I don't think it's that that we don't want LSU to win. You know, we... You know, we respect your views and we want you to be happy because, you know, we're friends. But I think the three of us have a grasp of reality and that's that's the reason why we don't believe. I don't know if I'm speaking for the other two out of turn, but... Were we watching the same game Saturday? I'm sorry. Did you guys see what happened? <laughs> Just one game, mate. Don't worry. That... Got Bo Nix coming in on, on Saturday. This... Yeah, this is me looking for a team that can beat <laughs> LSU this year. <laughs> I can't see him. Sorry, guys. <laughs> You're not scared of big Bo Nix coming in on Saturday and ruining the party? No, nah, I wouldn't Bo Nix. Bo Nix is about as scary as a little girl. He doesn't worry me. His <laughs> offense doesn't worry the me. Their defense don't worry me. TJ Finley is so big, he could win the game by himself. It doesn't matter. He's going to stiff arm people. He's going to run people over. 
it's the the era of, of TJ Finley has begun, and it's sad that it is over the injury of Miles Brennan. But we move. It's going to be great. We'll see. We will see. I know you guys wanted something dramatic from me there. <laughs> we won't expect any less, I don't think. Your list, regular <laughs> listeners will be, will be well-versed in, in in what goes on uh, now. By the way, if any little girls watching, we didn't mean to cause offence. I'm sure Kieran didn't mean that. <laughs> Andy, you're going you're gonna to bring back an old feature for us, I see. Yes, I can do, yeah. No problem at all. Um, <laughs> this kind of hurts doubly, I guess, doesn't it? It does a little bit just because I missed like last week where I had a bit of like I kind of I channeled a bit of Kieran to be honest last week, but uh, it won't throw back that uh, that hard. But um, yeah, <laughs> like it was another pretty uh, miserable day at the office for Florida State fans. But um, Louisville came to life, um, and mm. fair to say that they're much better than the kind of two and four um, uh, score, two and four um, record that they, they, they've currently got. Cunningham looked really good at the weekend, and particularly um, uh, Hawkins at running back just reminded me of, uh, of Philip Lindsay, the way he kind of uh, dismantled um, our defence. It, it was like low gravity, um, short burst speed, that kind of thing. And it was just, it was just like, just couldn't get near him, like even like Marvin Wilson and co. And that defensive line were just looking a bit sluggish in comparison. But it all started off really well. Um, Travis went down the field. I don't know if you guys have seen the play, but kind of like running around in the pocket um, and, and, just, and just pulling out like a nice uh, 15, 20 yard touchdown run by himself. And it all looked like good from there, but then we just couldn't, like the defense just didn't turn up at all. It just couldn't, couldn't like, I mean, uh, consider, like Liam probably feeling me with the Seahawks and stuff. It just like, it doesn't look, well, obviously it's a lot better on offense for them, but defensively just nothing like sticks at all. It just went through it like a knife through butter, so, so to speak. And then, um, if you look at the kind of Florida State receiving call without Terry at the weekend, it was um, kind of just a bunch of guys just turned up sort of thing, and it wasn't it wasn't like too pleasant to, to watch at all. The run game seemed to improve as well. First time we've I've seen um, like three uh, three guys that aren't the quarterback with over fifty yards, uh, which was a uh, still positive but building on Cam Akers. Other than that, not a lot. And, and on the other side, two to Atwell, uh, three receptions, 129 yards and a touchdown. Just taking the top off the defence, uh, couldn't keep up with him in the secondary. Uh, and, and Cunningham looked like just like really lively, like we've said before. Slight Lamar Jackson uh, comparisons, but this time a lot more composed in the pocket and didn't really rely on his legs just as much. And I think that's because he had time with the Florida State pass rush. It was nothing special at all. And mm. just a kind of put the icing on the cake as well. We brought in, I think a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned like uh, Chubba Purdy, the kind of highly rated quarterback we've just brought in. Uh, and he went to uh, nine, nine pass, nine uh, attempts for zero completions and uh, just put a nice, uh, nice little bow on the defeat there. So yeah, back to normal, but uh, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, who knows what the future holds, man. <laughs> yeah. Zero for out of nine is, I mean, I, I didn't see this game and I don't want to rub it in because, you know, we, we give you a, a gentle ribbon, to say the least, about FSU. But how do we even go? Like, what sort of plays are they calling? Was it like, were they calling like layups or was it, yeah, was it testing him? It was just dink and dunk sort of stuff, really, just to get him into the game. And the, like, the first two, we kind of tried to push it down the field a bit. And then after that, it was just... Uh... 
<laughs> just wouldn't stick. And to be honest, I think the, like half it's on the on the receiving core as well. Just like there's drops everywhere, hmm. um, and it just wasn't particularly like pleasant to watch. To be fair, like the, I think Helton, five targets, uh, three drops, zero catches. It's just like just not good enough, really. But yeah, like what can you do when you're in the when you're in a slump? You're in a slump, aren't you? So uh, just need to need some kind of spark, and we've got that from Jordan Travis in previous weeks. But can't hmm. rely on one man to do everything. Yeah, that's true. Missed your moment in the sun last week, didn't you? I did. I did. <laughs> Kevin, did you want to come in there on, on FSU? Yeah, I just want to say their COVID protocol is amazing because nobody's catching anything at that school. That was... <laughs> uh, I'm sorry to rub it in, Andy. You should have been here last week. But yeah, it was just... I don't know what's happening at FSU right now. I know they were a big program. They were well-respected in college football. And it just seems the last few years... and. Um, I don't think it's even recruiting because they have some decent recruits coming in, but it seems like a problem with coaches and stuff because they, they have a really good, strong win where they look like a very, very good football team and then they just can't string those together. And it's sad because if you, you know, Andy knows, FSU is one of those storied college football programs that everyone respects and loads of players, even if they're not doing well, still want to go there. They still have top quarterback classes. They still have top recruiting classes every single year. And it's, it's just, it's tough to see them not be able to put things together. And I, I think personally they if they install a new head coach, entirely new coach and stuff, somebody who, I don't want to say knows what they're doing, but has a bit more conviction and a bit more leadership skills that the FSU can confidently come back and be one of the top 25 teams in college football again. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, like we've talked about, haven't we, that, you know, it is like you say, a storied program and still some draftable talent there, still some good players going there, but just not putting it together. But as we've been saying, I guess it's one of these things where it's a, it's a, it's a building process, isn't it? It's not going to happen overnight with Mike Norbell. And, you know, he did some good things in his previous roles. So, you know, it shouldn't be all doom and gloom. And like you say, John Travis definitely got something about him. So, uh, you know, like we've been saying, maybe next year, one of those things where we'll come back next year and, and kind of evaluate from there, I guess. Um, I'm going to lead off again. I'm going to go to North Carolina with NC State facing off against uh, UNC. Um, this one was was kind of interesting for a little while. Um, it was was a typical North Carolina performance. When it's, to be honest with you, Sam Howell doing enough, showing enough in his arm, uh, dealing when he needs to, then throwing a long bomb to Diami Brown when he needed to as well. Some really nice long hookups there. But I'm, you know, the reason kind of why I've got on this train, obviously, is to kind of root for Sam Howell and how much I'm kind of rating him so much. But he's kind of been overshadowed recently with this running game. This running game is potentially the best in college football at the minute between Javante Williams and Michael Carter. Both just look like they're just going to do the business every single week. Um, you know, over 100 yards for the pair of them again. And it was the same last week and the week before that. And they, they just run all over everyone, you know, and it just makes such a nice offense that Howell, as much as, ta- as much as, and as talented as he is, he doesn't have to, isn't like we've just been saying about John Travis, John Travis is having everything put on him for Florida State. Whereas UNC can kind of, Howell can do his bit and he can, he can just relax and play within himself because Javante Williams and Michael Carter, and they, they're kind of one and one, like one A and one B kind of thing. They, there's just no let up. You know, from them, and then they've got the, the the wide receivers out there like Bo Corrales and Jamie Brown, as I've mentioned before. And then that's not even mentioned Daz Newsom, who's really useful out the slot and probably isn't getting the production that he should do. 
And this UNC team is legit. I, I, I mean, I've obviously talked it up maybe with some sort of slight bias as I've kind of taken them on as my team. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously we, we've obviously we've talked about Florida State last week and dropping that game, but it just looks like a bit of a boo-boo now, you know. And we'll talk about the AP poll and how they've slipped back later on. But yeah, this one, this one again, kind of overmatched. You know, North Carolina uh, State were ranked um, in the low twenties, I think it was before the game and you know they, they've dealt with a ranked opponent and that's what you've got to do when you kind of go in towards these championship games and and trying to get into the postseason whether that'll happen i'm not really sure um obviously with uh, notre dame in the conference this year as well um but yeah looking looking really really strong looking really balanced defense is doing its bit as well i've uh, got some guys on there as well so yeah it's a it's good good time to, to join the bandwagon the they you you sent the I think it was you who put the video in chat that they come out in the beautiful powder blue mm. this weekend and like UNC or not they always have very pretty uniforms the Tar Heels really know how to do that and I know I know it's it's probably a, a certain subset of fans who love to talk about uniforms more than the games but I really do love some of the uniforms they come out and especially now they've got the Jumpman branding it's really taking the uniform game to the next level so even if they're not winning they're going to be looking pretty well doing it. Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. That all Carolina blue uniform was one that I shouted out before uh, the games kicked off on Saturday. So yeah, no, definitely looking very nice. Um, can't go wrong really with those ones. And as a Chargers fan, definitely agree with the that sort of shade of blue. So yeah, no, for sure, completely agree with that one. I just wanted to um, mention my favourite part of the North Carolina win was uh, the North Carolina kicker um, missing a 22-yarder early in the game now that wasn't my favorite bit my favorite bit then came on his attempt before half time it was a 40 yarder a chance for, uh, to redeem himself and uh, the commentary team instead of calling it and saying he's made it which he did by the way he redeemed mm. himself uh, it kind of went quiet and when he made it they really patronized and he just went oh good for him <laughs> like good for him good lad and that was and that was the tone of their call of the play and i i found that really amusing <laughs> Yeah, now you mentioned it, I do remember that actually. Yeah, um, like we were saying, you know, it's one of these things with college football kickers, isn't it? Where they, uh, and I'm sure, we are, well, to be fair, it's now is, is a good a time as any. We've obviously all seen the rice kicker with the quadruple doink over the weekend. If you've not seen this, get on Twitter and have a look at this. The rice kicker. Does anyone know the name of the rice kicker? I just know it. Was, I knew it was the game. I, I, I shared it and I even shared his name and now I've forgotten it. <laughs> anyway. I shared it. With the hashtags doink, 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 and life of a kicker. <laughs> they kneeled, well, yes, they, they kneeled three times as well in overtime to set him up for this play to win the game in overtime. Mm. A 45 yard field goal. And it went right up, right crossbar, left up, right crossbar, and out. A quadruple <laughs> doink. Yeah, the lesser spotted. Gone, Kieran. Yeah, it's uh, Colin with two L's. Riccatelli. Okay. So shout out Colin. Put the lottery on, you know, getting a quadruple yeah, bunch should, is not difficult. It was quite very difficult, should I say. Yeah, he should have um he should have been rewarded with the game because that's a lot harder than making a field goal. Yeah, yeah I think I think I said that. That's worth in six the, points. In the chat. Exactly. Yeah, give him the point because yeah, it's, that's pretty difficult. Cody Parkey is now no longer the most famous doinker. And then again, he's his quadruple doinker is doing it four weeks in a row rather than hitting four crossbars. Um, but yeah, we move on. So a bit of a bit of specialist action there on the podcast. Rare. 
Um, Liam, I was going to bring you in. You wanted to talk about a team that you've been talking about quite a lot recently on the podcast and they continue on their march in the American Conference. Yeah, Cincinnati Bearcats continue to march in the American Conference on the road to SMU and a big 42-13 win. A game that proves SMU are not the offensive force they were this time last year. Um, Much to my disappointment and uh, my fondness for Shane Bushell, who's a quarterback I really want to like um, more but he's just not getting it done at the moment. Um, Cincy, though, they're for real. Their defence was strong from front to back. Um, on offence, giving Desmond Ritter everything that he needs uh, to make plays um, and um, becoming a sort of pro-style offence as well. Some really nice play action, um, making him read out of the shotgun. And uh, it, he showed it with uh, his, his running ability as well as his passing ability. He ran passed for one touchdown but also ran for three including a massive 90 yarder um the run game was really strong for Cincinnati anyway um led by hang on I'll get the guy's name uh Jared Dokes their running back one uh, had a really strong game over 100 yards they moved away on all sides of the ball really easily in this game uh outclassed SMU uh, now ranked as high as number seven and um looking so good that um, I think I'm pretty close to declaring myself a Bearcat for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, like you've been calling out all all, uh, all the year, so definitely take your victory that while you can for sure. SMU, I get the feeling. I didn't watch the, didn't watch the game. I've I've seen a little bit of highlights, but I get the feeling they're missing Reggie Robertson because he was explosive. Yeah, all for them those beforehand. all those offensive weapons that they've lost from last season as well. James Prochet, um, Xavier Jones, the running back last season, I was a fan of. As like a late round draft pick, I think he went undrafted to the Rams. Um, but um, yeah, you're absolutely right. There were too many drops. Chamber Shell was throwing it well, and there were a load of drops in this game for SMU offensively. Mm. Um, not like them to kind of put up only 13 in a game. And uh, since he took advantage, and their defense, as I say, is looking really, really, really strong. Yeah, no, completely agree. James Prochet, it's a good shout, actually, a name from the past. I, I quite liked him last year. Didn't drop a thing, did he, if you're talking about drops? Uh, I think he went to the Ravens, didn't he, in the sixth round? Don't think he's got much game time there um, since he's gone there, to be honest, which is a bit of a shame. Just have him as a return guy so far, but mm. yeah, he'll he'll get better. I mean, like, I'm with you all the way. He was a great receiver for SMU last season. Mm. I just wanted to shout out um, Dylan Gabriel with the UCF. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. It's quietly building like a Heisman-worthy uh, resume this year, isn't it? If you look at the, especially the last two games, a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns with no picks. And then uh, that's uh, that's like over 2,000 year, uh, 2, yards on the year already in total with 19 touchdowns and, and two picks. So, man, he's, he's doing special things at, at UCF there. Obviously, they dropped a couple of games to tools from Memphis along the way but man he looks like a hell of a quarterback um I'm not to be honest I'm, I'm not entirely sure he's like NFL caliber anyway but um but I'm, I'm really enjoying watching him at this level he's uh, he's fantastic tearing defenses apart pushing the ball down the down the field looks like something else and, and also we should probably shout out the um Penn State loss shouldn't we um which I didn't yes. which I didn't catch uh, the whole game, but I've seen the uh, seen the last uh, the the overtime uh, conversion to to win it enough times on my Twitter feed since to to know that was a hell of a play. <laughs> Kieran, you've got your head in your hands there about that one. Wasn't a touchdown. Just simply wasn't a touchdown. There's no way. I know. You, I know. There's the jokes that 
you know, by the tip of the Penix or whatever. But that was not a touchdown. The ball did not break the plane. He clipped the pylon and the refs took five minutes to decide that that was a five minutes. You could have seen, you could see it's not a touchdown with one replay. College refs, man. These guys are nearly as bad as NFL refs at times. We saw them. It doesn't get much better in the pros, does it? Sometimes we we saw them ruin Ohio State's (laughs) chance at getting beaten by LSU in the national championship game last year from that terrible fumble call that they gave to Clemson. But there's no way in that was a touchdown. You can't convince me that it was. And I feel like Penn State uh, should not lose their ranking because they did not lose that game. And uh, yeah, they should be very, very angry that the refs called that a touchdown. That was absolutely disgraceful that that was called a score. Um, We should mention earlier in the game, the touchdown for Penn State that apparently most people say should not have been a touchdown when the uh, guy ran into the end zone, uh, when the call should have been to stop short and to win the game. It put uh, Penn State uh, in front and or further in front and but gave Indiana the chance to come back. Yeah, kind of yeah, amazing even itself out there a little bit with those two calls we just talked about. Yeah, no big win. Obviously Indiana um not really expected to do a lot. Obviously in the Big Ten we didn't really mention them last week. No one was really interested in kind of going near them. But yeah, Penn State, a, a team that kind of missing big players as you said, but still ranked quite highly. Um but yeah, so big loss for them. Kind of puts them out of playoff contention already as we were saying last last week, isn't it really? Yeah, Penn State won the teams we said that uh, are looking at playoffs and we said these these are the teams that could potentially slip up early and ruin their playoff chances. And, mm. you know, un- unfairly, I think it's happened to Penn State and it's going to be tough for those, the Nittany Lions, to really bounce back from that. That was, that's a tough loss, especially when it's, it's so, so debatable. And I know there's the college rules that you need clear, well, it's the rules in all football, but you need clear evidence to, to change a call. But and that's tough for Penn State, and I really hope they bounce back. But And I, I think, honestly, after that, they're going to be playing with absolute fury because they're not going to want to leave it to the last minute anymore. And I think they're just going to try and absolutely dunk on teams after that because if you look if you take a heartbreaking loss like that when essentially you were the better team all game you just made some mistakes it's it, it's really gonna light a fire under them and i don't think they're gonna have the mercy rule this year when they play against other teams because they are they're gonna be playing angry and that that's mm. one thing you do want to play against in college football is an angry team mm. yeah no for sure yeah keep an eye on them for the rest of the season i'm sure um, but yeah, a couple of teams that maybe did need the mercy rule um, coming in this week. Nebraska, uh, you know, you were, ta- you were talking about, weren't you, like Kieran, that's the potential banana skin for Ohio State, but uh, didn't happen at all. You know, Justin Fields looked pretty good, making some absolute rainbows throughout the game. Alabama putting it on Tennessee after, you know, they've had a pretty decent start to the season as well. Mac Jones is getting first round buzz now, boys. I don't know how we feel about that, but I've seen quite a few mock drafts this week with Mac Jones in the late 20s. Don't know how I feel about that one, to be perfectly honest. Well, yeah, a lot of teams were forgetting the mercy rule, really. Kansas State absolutely destroyed the Jayhawks. That was, was honestly tough to watch. Mm. Obviously, Rob's not here, but Notre Dame, Alabama, Boise State, Michigan, all these teams just went in and the, it, BYU as well. Rude. Absolutely just rude. They went in, 
to someone's house. They didn't take their shoes off. They put their feet up on the table. Yeah, it was just rude, all of these games. And you're expecting to see it, obviously, with the Big Ten as well, but Ohio State needed to go in and make a statement, and they did exactly that. And and we said, you know, now they've got past this first game and they didn't, they didn't even look stressed. I don't think any of their players are even sweating. So, it, you know, it's... Uh, I think Ohio State are probably a lock for the Big Ten now. They, they did that and made that big statement. And it, it, they look good even, obviously, without spring games and limited practice. So, mm. very tip hats off to uh, OSU. Yeah, can't can't argue with that one, mate. Yeah, looked pretty good, didn't they? And, you know, a bigger test to come probably in the postseason, as you said. Um, but, yeah, we'll keep our eye on Ohio State as well. Want to shout out to uh, Tank Bigsby as well, good performance, and Seth Williams as well, digging um, Alabama, not Alabama, sorry, digging Auburn out of that uh, close one with Old Miss actually, and um, shout out Rutgers as well, first win for a couple of couple of couple of years almost, isn't it? In the in the Big Ten, obviously don't get many. Um, picking up one against uh, Michigan State, like you say, going into someone's house and, and upsetting the furniture and things like that. So, yeah, kind of a, a, a bit of a mixed bag in the Big Ten, a couple of, couple of big results, a couple of, you know, ones to turn ahead a, a few times as well. But, yeah, no, good good start for the Big Ten, quite a lot going on there. And a standard, uh, almost expected win now, just shout out to Zach Wilson and BYU, another another win there. Um, but, yeah, I think that wraps up then for another good week of, of football. Obviously going to go into the... the Talk about the AP poll, and I don't know. I don't, I'm obviously I think I've been I've been driving this one on the podcast so far, talking about the grievances that I've got. Um, I'll kick it off. Obviously, I'm going to kick it off at home with North Carolina, and they've dropped down the rankings by beating a ranked opponent. How how does that happen? What where does where does where's the logic? Someone start me off there with, with where is the logic for that one, and let's have a good old complaint about the AP poll. Yeah, when has the AP poll ever made sense? Remember, True. remember how it went down into. We're not going to talk it. about last year. Uh, remember, <laughs> I think it was two thousand and seven when the top three was like USC, LSU, and I want to say like West Virginia or something. And uh, an unranked team beat one of the top three, and I think they beat the number three ranked team, and the number three ranked team stayed number three, but one and two changed. So the AP poll has never ever made much sense to me. Like. I get that they try and start the season based off of recruiting classes or strength of the team coming back, but it it just never makes sense because I don't know who's doing it. Was the AP obviously, but uh, it appears <laughs> appears those guys. I meant the individuals. Appears those guys don't know too much about football. Like last year. Um, it was all messed up. I think Oklahoma even going into the college football playoffs were was, you know, like fifth or sixth all season before they took their first loss. And Georgia were disrespected a ton last year. And it was Clemson. Ohio State was somehow like first all year, despite really beating no one. And Alabama only really fell after their loss to LSU. And the the the. Yeah, the AP poll never makes much sense. And there's obviously bias towards certain teams. There's obviously a lot of bias towards OSU, Alabama, the big established programs. Yeah, is uh, I want to I want a word with the people at AP because they I don't know how they make their decisions. I think that that is I think what you've just touched on there towards the end is kind of where the basis of my my grievances come from. That 
these big these big programs, these blue blood programs, they they just seem to rise up the rankings no matter what. Like you've got Ohio State who are now third, one and zero against Nebraska, not ranked. Obviously, big win, played well. Notre Dame do exactly the same. They're five and zero, and they drop down. And I know you know Dame and obviously no like shrinking violets, no like small program. But I just don't get the logic there with that one at all. Well, yeah, if you want how these big blue chip programs affect small programs, you remember a couple of years ago where UAB shut down its football? That was be- the my main reason because of that, and this sounds so stupid, but I was actually looking at it last night before I went to bed. Um, one of the reasons was Alabama didn't, the, the state government or whatever they call it, over here they didn't want to give them any more funding because it could potentially um be a threat to the crimson tide that's how ridiculous these people who run Mm. these sports are they denied uab money because they could be a threat to nick saban's alabama so the people at the top making decisions here have no clue what they're talking about because there isn't a chance in hell that uab was going to beat Alabama, especially at that, you know, especially now, uh, they're obviously back, but it was, yeah, that is one of the stupid decisions made in college football. If you just want to, you know, the, the people making these decisions have no clue. And we see it with the NCAA as well. Chase Young gets suspended because a family friend gave him money to get a plane flight back to Ohio and he gets suspended. Like, they make no sense. And you know me, I hate the NCAA. They have no reason to exist. So, yeah, it's just everyone making decisions at the top of college football has no bloody clue what they're on about. <laughs> do, you, do you have anything that you look at this AP poll and think, well, that's right. I know you've just kind of gone off there a little bit, but what's looking good to you? What, what do you like about it? Cincinnati in the top 10. I'm very proud of them because they, they yeah. have looked like a great team. And obviously we see Luke Fickle. He was he didn't work out at Ohio, Ohio State and then he comes to Cincinnati and he does fantastic. But I, for teams like Alabama and stuff, yeah, they're, they're sitting right where they should be. But given the fact that everything is in conference, I don't think there should even be an AP poll this year. It makes no sense because everyone's not playing everyone. We don't know what the playoffs are going to look like. Uh, I think just for this year, they should have said, we'll rank everyone in division, but there's no sense in us doing an actual AP poll because no one's playing each other. So you're not getting that competition out there. And now I agree it's great for teams like... uh, Ah, uh, what's their face? South South Carolina, not South Carolina. Coastal Carolina, mm-hmm. that's the one. Sorry, yeah. I felt I disrespected that whole program there. And <laughs> um, it's good for teams like Coastal Carolina. It's a big win for them to have be ranked in the top twenty-five. But I feel like they will be disappointed that it potentially has to as an asterisk by it because they're only playing in conference play now. Yeah, they deserve to be in the top twenty-five. But would they be there if? there was out of conference play and they had to play some big hitters early. So, um, Mm. yeah, I just, I just, this year, especially there is no sense for the AP poll to exist because no one's playing out of conference. So Mm. yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me for it to even be a thing this year. Andy, I'll ask you, obviously we've got a couple of Pac-12 teams in there. We've got Oregon at 14 at the minute. We've got USC at 21. How was, what, 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 how is that a thing? It doesn't make sense, right? Right, agreed, and especially as USC climbed three three places this week with a <laughs> with a big hero. Sat at home. Yeah, exactly. The, 
so that you're flying. Um, it, it doesn't make sense to me, mate, does it? I mean, uh, in general, I think the I, I like the concept of it. There's just got to be a better way to execute it. Hasn't the summer? I mean, not going to mind if I, if, I, if I did. I'd probably have a lot more high-paying job. But um, but but yeah, it just just feels like a good, a decent concept because you're never going to be able to like put it into a kind of a, like a like a whole league sort of system, are you? Because of the sheer number of teams, etc. But yeah, I mean, uh, I'm going to on to what you kind of agree with and disagree with. I mean, I'd probably put Alabama above Clemson at the moment, the way they've been playing. I thought the, the weekend Clemson didn't look overly impressive. Maybe they didn't have their foot on the gas against uh, Syracuse, but I thought Alabama looked a lot more impressive. So even at the top there, a bit of a uh, bit of back and forward about who should be where. But yeah, I mean, uh, having like USC and Oregon just kind of taking up places, it just just makes absolutely zero sense to me. And then. Teams like Miami, I know they, they got battered by um, uh, by Clemson, but they're still five and one, and a massive turnaround in program there of, of how they're looking, sliding down the rankings again, sort of thing. Just it's just a bit bizarre, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and you know I completely agree on the Pac-12 things, and obviously that's not like me, but uh, the Big Ten teams kind of like rising up, like I said before, Wisconsin jumping up five spots from fourteen to nine after they they won on the weekend. Quite a, just a hefty jump, and then you've got BYU absolutely tearing everyone to pieces, six and zero, oh, and only jump at one spot to eleven, and it just seems. And Michigan as well jumping up to five spots because we know they're the, one of the favourites. Liam, is there any teams outside looking in that you would kind of bring in, or how would you kind of change this up? Well, outside looking in, I guess there's apart. From, it'd be easy to start moving uh, more SEC teams in, but I think okay, that'd be. A, a little, um, little unfair on that. Uh, I guess Army having a pretty good season, but then no, were no better than the likes of Iowa State, Oklahoma, Boise State, who filled the last three spots. Mm. Um, I can see Oklahoma State look to me a little bit too high at six. Um, I mean, like we've all just said, the guys that are right, right near the top and Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, they're getting big wins. Uh, Oklahoma State are winning, but they're not, they're not winning big, not kind of top six big. Mm. Um, I think that there's more value in having, like we've mentioned, BYU that are unbeaten up there. Um, your Tar Heels should be higher. Um, I think, so. I think uh, yeah, they're, they're too far down. Um, Fighting Irish have been up there all season, probably, I think, a little unfairly. I th- there might be something in trying to promote their game with Clemson as like a clash of the top four kind of uh, game when that rolls around. I think uh, I think that's probably what's going on a little bit there because I think they've been handed uh, quite a high ranking. Um, in terms of why Oregon and USC are where they are having not played, yeah, I'm, I'm really not sure. I think, uh, yeah, um, there's uh, teams like uh, Kansas State that are just below there that have been winning big that probably should be higher than, than teams that haven't even played yet. Mm. Yeah, I just I just don't see I don't see the value of it. I, we were kind of talking with after the podcast last week about you know this subject coming up for us this week and and the Big Ten teams that just hadn't hadn't played at the time and now they're now they're jumping up. I think it goes back to what Kieran said for me that these these, these you know the, the big name programs just being protected and as much as you know it's really great to see Cincinnati seven, Oklahoma State as you say maybe a bit high but it's nice to see them up there and, and be number six. You know, and then, then low down, obviously, teams that wouldn't even be there, like Marshall, that we've not mentioned, who are currently 19th, just you know, paired together with Coastal Carolina, both 5-0. and 0. 
it's nice to see these teams, but it doesn't seem like the AP seems to want them there and just seems to kind of want to push all the teams up there that are usually up there and have it be kind of samey, despite it being you know anything but this year, really. A lot of these um, Sunbelt teams and American Conference teams who you see doing well these season are normally the sort of teams who get fed to sort of the top 10 teams in the nation in the season opener as well. You see like the Georgia Southerns and the Coastal Kinders they head up to Ohio State or Michigan or LSU and they, their, norm, their job normally at the start of the season is to get blown out by 70 points and we, we're not seeing that this season. I mean, you know, my girlfriend's a, a Bowling State alum, a Bowling Green State alum and their first game of every season for the longest time has been blown out by Oregon, blown out by Ohio State. It's These, they, these teams get paid handsomely, by the way, to get beat on. That they get paid a lot of money to do it, but because there's it's in conference play, a lot of these teams don't have that, and I think it actually helps their confidence. A lot of teams are playing a lot better going forward because the first game is of the season isn't them taking ten sacks from future NFL guys or having ten touchdowns thrown on them by future mm-hmm. NFL guys, and I think that tradition should continue. I, it's it's great for a lot of teams, but yeah, I think that's why so many teams are in the top twenty-five that necessarily wouldn't be because they're not playing the big hitters and they're playing. You know, there's with exceptions, there is a lot of parity in conferences. I mean, the SEC is the biggest one, but obviously in the Big Ten, you have teams that can contend with Ohio State and. Uh, in the SEC, there's teams that contend Alabama, LSU and Auburn and then the ACC, not so much. But when you get down to like the Sun Belt and the American Conference and Conference USA, there's no real team that is top of the pile by uh, a considerable margin. So the teams you'll see and play each other now are a lot more evenly matched and it actually is making for way more exciting football, in my opinion. But like I said, you shouldn't be having the top 25 poll with out, out of conference play because it's not a true test of someone's uh, overall ranking. Yeah, I was thinking about obviously uh, strength of schedule goes into uh, these rankings quite a lot, which... Um... What we're saying about some of the SEC teams being too high, some of the Big Ten teams being too high. If you're going to um, if you're going to do AP polls weekly, there shouldn't really be anything wrong with having uh, your Marshalls and your Coastal Carolinas, or like BYU at eleven and Cincinnati at seven, have them above um, like the one-loss Floridas of the world. That if you're going to do it weekly, there shouldn't be anything wrong with having one week these smaller teams high and then letting the season play out. So when these SEC teams play their strong conferences Mm. and they do get some wins back again, that they can then move up again. It seems that they're going, they just uh, keep the one and two loss SEC teams too high, just based on what their schedule is going to be throughout, Mm. which shouldn't really necessarily be the case if you're going to have an AP poll weekly. Yeah, sure. Obviously, not all wins are equal, not all teams are equal. But um, yeah, it's it's just something that just stands out. There's a lot that you can pick at it. I think that's kind of why we wanted to have a little look. I think, obviously, we, we mentioned, didn't we, the, well, there were three of us, obviously, Andy wasn't with us last week, but we kind of mentioned our um, final fours. You know, we were kind of going back to that, as we mentioned a few weeks ago originally. And none of us, it kind of it sums up the mood, really, doesn't it? And sums up this poll and, and what we've just been talking about, that none of us really had a big shock. You know, one of these small teams kind of making a run for it for the last, you know, for the, for the year where it could be, you know, have, a, have an outsider kind of making it in there. And 
Um, it just feels like, yeah, that's kind of the mood between the AP and things like that, 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 that there's just not going to be any sort of difference, which is a bit of a shame, really. I think it would have been quite nice um, kind of change, like I said, for, for someone to win and win a few games and, and be the fourth seed. Obviously, we've probably, like we said before, playing for two two um, two spots already with Clemson and Alabama's beginning to the season. Um, and if Ohio State now go on and, and beat everyone, you know, like we said last week, maybe they're sort of nailed on for the third spot if they do win every game. But yeah, it seems a bit of a shame, really, in, in what could have been a, a bit of a different year for college football. And, and it kind of seems to be passing that up already. And it's only you know, midway through the season because, you know, we are, we are almost halfway through the season, aren't we, almost? And, and there's not a lot of variety in there from what we would usually see. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned you put BYU in your top four and we said that that is a really good idea what we're, with what they're doing at the moment. And I'd say that Cincinnati are well worth a shout mm. at the moment as well. Um, but yeah, just to your point, you kind of, you know that it's that there's a really outside chance of it happening, even if they do continue to go through the season unbeaten. And uh, yeah, it is, it is a bit of a shame. You just hope that they get more of a chance uh, by the end of the season. Like if one of them does, it would be a really, really good season for Cincinnati if they go unbeaten. And uh, you'd still think that it would still be an outside chance of them getting uh, that number four spot. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it with UCF in the past. <laughs> we've been going through the same situation. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, BYU, obviously, like you say, you know, these these guys are starting from a, not starting from a level playing field either with the games that they play and the, the schedule that they have, especially over SEC teams. But yeah, one to keep an eye on for sure. I guess we've got all kind of rooting for the little guys in the, around yeah. the college football, aren't we, to try and, like say, get some, get some new, new faces up there and new names because... Uh, Just expand it. More, we need think? more than four places. Yeah, it need needs at least eight, doesn't it? And then and also have more um, more emphasis on the conference championship games as well. Mm. The conference and champions should have a better chance of getting in then if there's eight spots. And what would you do then? So would you have like the conference champions just automatically in, and then and then what would that like, leave? Like seems, yeah, there always seems to be a couple of conference games that. Um, yeah, it's taken the wind out of the conference games a little bit now that they're not. Um, now that we have a playoff in college football, but mm-hmm. we still have conference championship games that are not in that in said playoff. It's um, it's taken some of the some of the sting, some of the meaning out of conference championship games, which it shouldn't really. Mm. Andy, what would be your views on expanding the playoff to eight spots rather than four? Definitely, mate. I think it's much better than having like you know all the kind of like potato crisp bowl of like whatever. Just, uh, just, <laughs> and I don't know about you guys, whether you you've been over there at the kind of the bowl season, but the, the the kind of like electricity around like the playoff games and stuff is is unreal. And like I mean, I've been down in uh, Miami a couple of years in a row for for them now, and I've been to the Orange Bowl and and then watched the kind of college playoffs and stuff uh, around that, and and the atmosphere is just. Uh, like you know, it's great for the Orange Bowl, but like even people sitting in the bars and stuff, it's ten times better for the uh, playoff games. And I remember just being sat there and watching that um, tour throwing against uh, Georgia to win that that game, and just like the whole place erupted. And it like, wasn't really Alabama and Georgia fans at all. It was just like you know, people that just loved watching the the the, the, the meaning behind the game and stuff like that. So so yeah, I mean, I'm all for it. I think you could uh, expand that to eight, twelve. Uh, I wouldn't go too much further than that, I don't think, because then you just kind of start doing sort of what they've done with the, the Euros and stuff and, mm. and just kind of discounting the, the, the achievement of reaching it sort of thing. But um, 
yeah, I mean, the, the, I think it will go that way eventually, won't it? Just because money talks and, and uh, that gets the kind of people going as well, doesn't it? So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's like you say, money talks. That's exactly the thing that I was going to say. While, while we love the Idaho potato bowl or the <laughs> Tostitos bowl, and they're a lot of fun, Liam's spot on. The conference champions potentially should be what it's expanded to, and it should be a totally random draw. Now, whether the NCAA would stay honest on that, a totally random draw would be fun because you could potentially see teams like Ohio State or Clemson matched up in the first round of the playoffs and one of them being knocked out and potentially if the matchups line up right you could have a, a Cincinnati in the, in the college football playoff final versus an Alabama and that'd be good especially for Cincinnati like they're ranked at the moment and um, I live in Cincinnati as you know mm-hmm. it's a really sad city when it comes to sports it's really really sad like they don't their most famous player of any professional sports isn't allowed into the Baseball Hall of Fame because he bet on himself to win games. Now, that's that's how big his balls are. So <laughs> Cincinnati need would, would benefit from something like that. These smaller cities that are kind of starved of championship sports in a way would really benefit from that. So, you know, it, it'd, be, it'd be interesting. I think Liam hit the nail on the head, conference champions. Then if the NCAA could be less than corrupt for five minutes and they could make a <laughs> random we have to draw. Crack out the allegedly again here, aren't we? <laughs> okay, if the NCAA could allegedly be not corrupt for five minutes uh, and do a totally random draw, something they like do with the Champions League or something or the FA Cup hmm. to match the teams up together, that would be absolutely fantastic. Do, uh, play neutral site games as well because I know... You know, it, it's it's tough to watch a college football playoff game where your team is playing at home or your team's playing away. So neutral site games would be fantastic, um, which I think like, so it, it, almost every year, college football national championship is played in New Orleans. And that I feel like was an unfair advantage for LSU when we went in to play against Clemson. We were playing a couple hours down the road from Baton Rouge. Uh, yeah, more neutral site games for these playoffs as well would be fantastic because it's not for lack of stadiums there's hundreds and hundreds of Mm. college football football stadiums out here that you know Cincinnati's just having another one built they're having a a stadium built for FC Cincinnati that would be fantastic for college football if they could potentially get that field out there so yeah it'd be interesting I think expand the playoffs makes sense because what is it four teams right now Mm. why does that make sense well what's the point What's the point? Four teams. And two of them are from the SEC every year. So expand the playoffs, conference champions only. Let's let's make college football good for everyone and not just the teams with money. That's a good it's a good shout. I, I particularly like the FA Cup style kind of or anyone can play anyone kind of draw. Because as we kind of kicked off this conversation, this kind of subtopic of, of after the AP poll and kind of moving on to the playoffs, I was going to play devil's advocate a little bit and say, you know, if you've got an eighth-ranked team, what's their chances of winning the the college football you know championship? But then if it was a random draw, you know, the draws can all you know land favourably, and especially if it's neutral site, then yeah, kind of neutralises my point almost in in a way because it could literally be you know the seventh and eighth team playing against each other, seventh they're through and if there's a bit like FA Cup kind of shocks in, in the college football, then yeah, it could be could be pretty different, especially if, you know, 
like you say, if you play on neutral site and you're not playing uh, Georgia in Atlanta in the you know the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and then you've got like I say LSU in in the Superdome and things like that. So yeah, it could be could be quite different actually. And I think like you said, like Andy said, it's it's going to happen at some point. There's going to be some sort of expansion. Let's just hope they do it correctly and not just to shove you know more of the big teams in there every single year. Go on, Kevin. Yeah, and with the four-team playoff, it's going to be the uh, essentially the same four teams every year because it's run off the AP poll. Mm. So <laughs> you're going to have the exact same four teams in the playoffs every single year until something changes. Because the you know the big programs that are now established, they're going to be, especially ones with the the top coach and stuff, are going to be that good for a few years at least. So unless you want Clemson, LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma being sort of the playoff teams every year it makes sense to expand it and crazy things can happen so you would maybe one year the conference usa champions is uab and they make it to the playoffs and make a run or the american conference has cincinnati or or somebody go for the championship and the Sun Belt has appalachian state or georgia southern come out of it and and make a run at the playoffs and it's a lot better for a number eight ranked team to potentially have an invite as well because right now a number eight ranked team has zero chance of winning a national championship yeah if you expand it even if you do the weird way of picking the top eight teams they still have a hundred percent better chance of now like being a national champion got to be in it to than win they it, did now saying, right? so it just mm. makes sense yeah 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 exactly in it to win it and you know it's more college football was always good they're not going to say oh we're going to give you more college football playoff games and it's like we're all going to go ah too much football no everyone <laughs> wants to see more college football games it's just, it just makes sense the um the random draw FA Cup style thing is it's just not going to happen in American sports. They love their rankings. They love their uh, seedings. Yeah, um, yeah. Even expanding it to a you got to include the independence in there as well. So if just if there's a very, I think it's likely that by the end of this season, for example, Clemson could be ranked number one. BYU could be ranked number eight. And that would be a pretty nice matchup to see. I know that uh, it would probably be quite one-sided, but if you subscribe to wanting the the bigger programs uh, to stay in and succeed, then Clemson will beat BYU. And uh, if they don't, if BYU causes the upset, who doesn't want to see that? So uh, I think that, yeah, I think expanding it with uh, with seedings is probably the, the way to go. It still incorporates the independence as well. Hmm. yeah you're, you're right you kicked it off with the correct point it's not going to happen that we get this random draw you know like you say it's all about rankings isn't it it's all about probably protecting protecting the big teams like you say but yeah it would be good I like Kieran said it's it's you've got to be in it to win it and you've got a better chance than um you're being in the playoffs than not so yeah no completely completely get that um but yeah no I'd like to see a few differences made to the to the AP poll and also yeah we've kind of gone on to the kind of playoffs and you know I think that could be all torn up and, and kind of redone couldn't it um, so yeah, kind of watch this space. I guess in the next few years, as Andy said, it's going to be it's going to be expanded for sure. Um, same sort of logic applied to you know things like the London franchise will happen eventually because you know it's got enough sort of behind it. You know enough dollars will go behind it, and someone will come out here, and it'll probably be crap, but you know we'll get it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we digress. Kind of another topic for another day. Kieran, 
uh, kind of wanted to finish off. You've been a busy boy, haven't you, this last few weeks? Tell everyone about, if they've not seen the tweets and the, the shout-outs already, tell everyone what you've been up to over the past week. You've appeared three times on Saturday on the feed, weren't you? I have been going in. We'll, we'll, I don't I don't like talking about myself, but I'll do it. <laughs> um, no, we, we had uh, Sir Yacht, which was actually one of the most fun podcasts I've done with a guest. He is hilarious uh we obviously pre- uh, tim had to cut the uh, brown steelers game prediction out because we fumbled the bag on that that was <laughs> yeah we, we we had the browns winning by quite a large margin that didn't happen um yeah it was, it was an incredibly fun podcast obviously did kieran's corner as well did the nfl preview and then josh allen article finally dropped i just wanted to see how he bounced back from a wi- uh, a loss Apparently not great, um, but uh, I made a bold prediction that if he's not a Super Bowl champ or an MVP within the next five years, I will get Eli Manning as a Hall of Famer tattooed on my chest because why not? I've already got a Chabuddy G tattooed on my right leg and a box of chicken tattooed on my left leg. I might as well get something else stupid. Um, and also coming up, depending on timelines i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put a date on it but um actually bringing out a new series potentially to the youtube channel and we might bring it out in audio form talking about forgotten not not always forgotten but nfl stars where they came from how they got here and forgotten college football stars sort of what they're doing um I don't know if it's going to be the same series, but um, right now I've got Pat McAfee and Johnny Manziel lined up for the two first episodes that I'm going to be talking about. Mm. I don't know if I'll ever get them to guest on here, but, you know, <laughs> I send them 100 messages a day. Uh, they'll probably respond at least once or get a restraining order, whichever one comes first. Um, yeah, it, it, it's going to be incredibly interesting because mm. I know a lot of people on this podcast, uh, everyone's fans of football and everyone loves football so more if you're anything like me a lot of your football knowledge comes from consuming football related media um watching tv about football watching youtube videos about football reading about football so it'd be great to bring this knowledge to our fans in an easily digestible audio and video format if it's you know you're going to the gym you're going to be on the treadmill for half an hour listen to the new series if you've got you want to lift weights for half an hour listen to the say yacht podcast we, mm. we we're diversifying our holdings guys and uh yeah you're, you're all right. i i promise i promise as well one week uh when i do the nfl preview i will go free for free i promise i pray because every team let me down this weekend yeah, you'll get every, taken off if you keep well, getting it wrong man the, the Bucks won, but that was sort of a given. They didn't win how I said they would win, though, which is very annoying. Um, yeah, I just base everyone's game off their last game because at the end of the day, it's any given Sunday. So I just take them at their last performance. <laughs> Come on. You're, yeah, you, you're, putting, exactly. you're, putting out, you're putting out some good content. Um, yeah, the Sir Yacht interview was, was a very enjoyable. I got to edit that one, so I got to hear the, the full the full range of topics that were covered, which was very, very interesting. But yeah, no, you're doing some good work. Sorry, sorry for calling Paul Brown soft. <laughs> we had to edit that bit out, didn't we? Bit of slander knocking around the, the unedited version. <laughs> he let a Steelers fan pour beer on him. I uh, can't respect that. <laughs> moving, moving swiftly on. 
Uh, obviously, next week on the pod, uh, we'll be looking forward to the Pac-12 kicking off, which is the first weekend of November. So I'll be hitting your, well, hitting the laptop. I was going to say hitting the writing or something then, like I'm in 1999. But um, I'll be behind the keyboard to give you a Pac-12 preview, much in the same way that Liam kind of had his uh, Big Ten preview coming out this week. So yeah, obviously you've got Kieran's Corner coming out later on in the week as well. Uh, he'll be previewing the, the the biggest three games next week's slate in the NFL. And yeah, plenty of other content coming out over the full 10 yards family as well. So keep your eyes peeled for all of that. Uh, but yeah, I think we'll kind of leave it there, boys, apart from we just need to give out some handles. So Mr. Duscover Cleeks, tell us where you can find yourself. Uh, on Twitter, I am at DCCYT Football. Vanessa Hudgens, Kamala Haggis, call me whatever you want. And on Instagram, I am at, at Dust Covered Cleats. Fantastic. Liam, where can we find you? At Liam66NFL on uh, Twitter. Anything NFL, anything college football. All of the full 10 yards college football stuff. Um, I'm going to be upping the uh, scouting slash draft content uh, as of next week. So. Mm. that will be uh, worth following yeah definitely looking forward to it looking forward to getting into that sort of stuff with yourself and the rest of the boys yeah me too I can't wait as time goes on but yeah no we're going to step that up quite soon aren't we so yeah good good stuff looking forward to it and just to finish off uh, Andy where can we find yourself I was just going to say I probably need to mute Kieran with the uh, on Twitter with the election in uh, in a week's time or whatever now in the US so (laughs) I don't need any more of those uh, those hot takes flying my way. But uh, yeah, I'm on uh, AJ Moore 21 or uh, Dolphin uh, underscore UK podcast as well. But, mm. How's the mood on the Dolphin UK podcast at the moment? It's weird because like everyone like was like well hyped for the uh, for introduction of tour obviously, but then everyone just feels like really sorry for Ryan Fitzpatrick because <laughs> it was like the most <laughs> deepest like, interview I've ever seen in my life. But um, like, there's rumours that he's uh, he's on the uh, up for a trade sort of thing as as well, so uh, possible possible cowboys move or something there. So that'd be, mm, that'd be it. Yeah, Dalton got yeah, so, Dalton uh, got a shot, didn't he? So yeah, yeah. But it was like that was the like, most horrible interview I think I've ever. Like, I mean, and, and bear in mind what my my day job is is uh, I've seen quite a few bad interviews, but uh, that that was um, that was that was quite something. <laughs> Yeah, he definitely tugged on a few heartstrings, didn't he, with, with the way he kind of came out and said that stuff. So, yeah, no, if you're a Dolphins fan, or if, even if you just want to hear some more Ryan Fitzpatrick, or indeed Tua Tagovailoa, Tunga Vailoa stuff, I just cannot, I will not get that for some reason. It just doesn't come off the tongue as, as easily, um, despite hearing it all year, oh, for a couple of years, actually. But, yeah, if you, want to, if you want to hear about any quarterback controversy in Miami or anywhere else, go to the Dolphin UK podcast where you'll be able to see Andy and friends uh, talking all things Dolphins and for myself I'm at Wakefield 90 as I said before I will be giving you some Pac-12 previews next week so that's the next piece of content off the hot, off the press for myself and uh, yeah like I say I'll be kind of joining Liam in the in the draft and the evaluation room to kind of give you my thoughts on some up-and-coming prospects but yes thank you very much for listening this has been the Full Turnout College Football Podcast thanks again we'll see you next week Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yardscfb. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.